that that God has called Timothy to is that I charge thee in the sight of God who quickens or makes alive all things and before Christ Jesus who before finds out witness and good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ stay faithful until the Lord comes for us stay faithful and what was that that commandment be charged in the sight of God uh, that you you hold to this witness you don't let go of this witness you fight the good fight of faith uh, that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ personally I think Paul think, was thinking they will soon that the return of Christ could be at any time He was probably thinking Maranatha way back then. <laughs> like the only reason why it hasn't happened is because God is so merciful. God is so gracious. See, the fact that Christ has not returned for his church, his body, is because he's long-suffering. He's gracious. He's not willing that any should perish. The reason is because God's... It, it, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So his grace extended, his grace extended, uh, tells us exactly how much love God has. Yeah. When he's talking about uh, verse 14, his commandment, what exactly is he saying about this, this commandment? But, yeah. If thou keep this commandment, I think, uh, fight the good fight of faith. I think verses 12, 13, and 14, I think all those go together, uh, I think that's referring back to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, well, that that's part of it, to lay hold of it on eternal life. Uh, you, know, you profess a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things before Christ uh, that you keep this commandment without spot. I, I think that's what he's talking about. You fight the good fight of faith. Keeping in mind that Timothy was somewhat weak and sickly, uh, not like Titus at all, at least that's the, the impression that people get. Verse 16. Without, without spot? Does that change any of this? Right. Well, that's why they go to Ephesians. Uh, that's how Christ is going to present the church to himself. Without spot. Without, spot, without blemish. Okay. Uh, that's something only that Christ can do. Because how, how can that happen at the rapture of the church? That this mortal puts on immortality. And that's key. We're going to go there anyway. I'm glad you brought it up. This mortal shall put on immortality. Uh, that uh, look, at, look at 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And I think this change is in partly referenced 
by without spot, without blemish. He's changing us. He's changing us. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. But who does that? The Lord Jesus Christ. We are in Him. And it's by virtue of the fact that we are in Christ, sealed into the day of redemption, that this uh, action is going to take place. That this corruptible, see right now, this flesh is corruptible. I'm mortal, but the fact that I'll either, if the rapture doesn't happen soon, more than likely, I'll die. So you've got that aspect of the rapture where the dead of Christ shall rise first and that corruptible is going to put on incorruption, that mortal is going to put on immortality. That, that in itself is the work of Christ. Just like our sanctification is his work, our justification is his work, our glorification is all his work. Uh, so he's going to present it to himself without spot, without blemish, a glorious, glorious church. Verse 15, back to 1 Timothy 6. Which in his times he shall show is the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That day's coming. He is the only ruler. He is the only King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is his position. He shares it with no one. The world may think they are. The world may think that its rulers are going to have their day. But there's going to come a time when every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess. I can't stress that enough. And all of these deniers, all of these scoffers, all of these are in for a horrifying awakening so that day happens. He is the only potentate. Uh, that potentate, the, the word there has, has to do with, with power, ruler, uh, Overall, that's who he is. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul is just breaking out in a, a time of, of, of worship and praise. And he, this, he's, he's having a revival right here as he's recognizing who Christ is. Verse 16, very important verse. We need to, we need to talk about who only has immortality. Who's he talking about here? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only potentate. He is the only king of kings. He is the only Lord of lords. Who only has immortality. Wait a minute. I thought we had eternal life. I thought we were going to live forever. I thought this mortal is going to put on immortality. But it says here, he who only has immortality. Um, aren't you glad you're in Christ? Yeah. Aren't you glad you identify with him? Because that's something else you identify with is his immortality. 
Without him, hey, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. When you think of eternal life, what's another word that's comparable? Immortality. And it is only in Christ that we have that. And that's what that Paul is making sure Timothy understands the one he's serving. He's wanting to make sure that we understand here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship on this Wednesday night as we study this, that our, our immortality, our eternal life is only because of who we are in Him. Uh, we have that immortality. We have that eternal, that eternal life in Christ. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach, unto whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Um, we're going to get into a scripture when we get into 2 Timothy, hopefully before the end of the night, that's, that's going to talk a little bit more. Well, let, well, let's go ahead to 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Paul goes back into this just a little bit. He dwells in a light which no, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Well, before we go to first, second Timothy, go to Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse 2. Look at Psalm 104, verse 2. Let's go to verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty who covers thyself with light as with a garment. I, I love that image. I love thinking of the throne of God and Christ, what did Christ call himself? He is the light of the world. And in him there is, there, there's no darkness, there's no, he defines light. Uh, in him is no, uh, he, is, he is that, he is that light. Uh, light being the opposite of, of, of darkness. There's, there's no darkness in him. Look at 2 Timothy 1. Verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. Him, our position in Him 
will cause us to be recognized in that standing and being in him, uh, being joint heirs of everything he inherits, we inherit, including that, that position. I'm telling you, I'm convinced that one of the reasons the Bible just is so limited in describing what we're going to be doing in heaven and the position that we hold as joint heirs that we'd be jumping off this building if we really understood what awaits us. <laughs> I, I think we would. I, I don't think we would want to put up another day with, with this life if we fully understood what's, what's, coming, what's coming. I don't want to now. Who have only immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. No man who doesn't have Christ. No man who has not been changed and been sealed, placed in, Christ, in the body of Christ. Absolutely correct. Is that the, the same light that's referred to in 1 John 1, 7 where it's talking about walking in the light? Or is it just like truth? It's just a kind of idea. And John, see, John talked about quoting Christ as saying, I am the light of the world. Mm -hmm. I think that's the same light. I, I think it's the walk in the light of, yeah. of Christ. It's talking about the same saviors. Talking yeah. about the same God that we serve. I guess the only reason I... I have that question because it says, you know, which no man can approach unto. No man hath seen, no, nor can see. Right. So, I mean, obviously, if we're, if we're all walking light now, we can have a sense of it. Right. Well, but, and, and what light does is light shines on the path. You're, yeah. The, the psalmist talks about you're a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Yeah, a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Well, that light, I think the light in John is talking about he lights the way okay. for us through his word. Uh, and it just makes it so obvious. Okay. But I think the, the light is talking about here, and even that light is Christ too. Yeah. See, he's, yeah. he's the light of the world. Uh, but this light, I think, is the glorified light. Okay. I think it's, it's the heavenly light. I think it is the position that, that the rapture of the church is going to take place. Thank you, Diana. You reminded me again. Do you, do you have a question? I also have a question. Yeah, can you can thank Diana. Yeah, go ahead. Does the light, does that have anything to do with uh, having joy in your heart with Jesus Christ being your Savior? Oh, I, I'm sure, but that's, yeah, there's, having Christ as your Savior brings joy, it, I think it brings light to your, your life and living according to his word, but even that light still not this light. I think this light is that light that we're going to experience around the throne that is just going to be so absolutely gorgeous, uh, going to be so glorious. That no man, that no man can approach, no man can approach without that salvation, without knowing Him. Uh, no natural man, no no human being could ever measure up to come and stand before God without being in Christ. That's the way. That's the way it's going to have to take place, John. When I say it, it's like looking into the face of God. That life. That no man can see. see God. Mm -hmm. 
Good point. No mentors in God, but in Revelation, guess what they're going to do? Yeah, in Revelation. We, we ended with that. There, there was. Look at. Uh, Look at John 22. I mean, Revelation 22. There, there shall be no more curse, verse 3, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So I, I just, the, the light here is just the opposite of darkness that it prevails. I think we're going to have that. Hold on a second. Okay, Brett. I think I, I probably missed it when we were finishing up Revelation, but when it says servants, are we his servants? Are those angels, or... When it says servants, you know, his, his servants shall serve him. Would that be us or those? Is that referring to angels or? Yeah. Just when it says his servants shall serve him, is that referring to believers or like angelic beings oh, I or? Think this, I think the believers. I think those, okay. You know, we're talking about there's going to be. We're seated in heavenly. Yeah. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth, a new Jerusalem. And those that are going to serve him, those that are, I think, going to be on earth. I yeah. think all the promises that are Israel is going to be redeemed Israel. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to have access. I think we're going to take up our position in the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. Yeah. I think that's that's going to be our position. Okay. And there's no need of the sun. Uh, back in Revelation 21, it talks about there's no need of the sun because the God the Father, yeah, and so the, they're the light of the world. That's why I believe this new Jerusalem takes up. When you think about how big it is, uh, it takes up its position, I think, in the heavens, and the whole world can see that new Jerusalem, and people come to the light of it. I, I think that's that's the point that Paul's trying to make here, is how glorious that that light's going to be. And there's no, look back at Revelation 20, 21. Um, verse 22. 20, Revelation 21, 22. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Talking about the new Jerusalem. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. I think that's what Paul's talking about. He, regardless of this position, regardless of of who he's dealing with or talking to, that doesn't change who he is. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the only potentate. He is the light of the world. All of, and that's Paul is just breaking out in devotion there in verse 16. The throne of God has a rainbow around it, round about. And those are seven colors, and that's how you make white, white. Mm. Mm. Nobody ever says turn up or turn down in darkness. Right, right. Well, and that's, you know, and there's no such thing as darkness. It's only the absence of light. Absence of light. It's the absence of light. And <laughs> they're going to be all light. 
See, Diana, Derek, what do you guys yeah, have well, in store? Well, there's darkness now, but that, but what is that? It's the absence of light. The absence of light. First Timothy seven ten. You're dark right now. Yeah. Verse seventeen. He says, verse fourteen. I command you. Verse seventeen. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Nor trust in the uncertain riches. Boy, does that kind of ring true today and ring, ring true then. But don't trust in uncertain riches because they can be gone just that fast. Well, they're after the pensions. And they're, yeah, they're, uh, as a matter of fact, my hope, my faith, my trust is not in my retirement plan because it's kind of cute in the beginning. But it's, it, it's, not, it's not the thing that I hold to be secure. The one I hold to be secure is the Lord. Charge them that are rich in this world that they should be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Folks, what Paul is talking about there are those heavenly position in Christ, what, what Ephesians talks about, the, the riches of His grace. Uh, look at Ephesians 1. I mean, there's so many different scriptures that talk about that. But the riches of His, verse 18 of chapter, chapter 1 of Ephesians, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Our, you, are, you are a joint heir with Christ. What are you going to inherit in heaven? Everything that God the Son inherits. You can't ask for anything, God. You, you can't ask for anything, Richard. You, you what? Asking for things, we, we ask for help, then we ask for, you know, God supply that need. Uh, somebody once said, you know, he owns, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he also owns the hills. <laughs> and so we just, we just trust him. But folks, that's, that's, that held in comparison to the riches that we have in Christ, eternally. That's what matters. We might suffer a bit here, um, but to my knowledge, I have never missed a meal unintentionally. I may have thought, boy, I need to lose some pounds and, and go on a diet, but I have never, ever missed a meal intentionally. Just been so, so abundantly blessed. But the bottom line is, we stand rich in Christ and all the all the spiritual blessings. Look at Ephesians 2. One of these days I'm, I'm probably going to preach a sermon on those riches that we have in Christ. But verse 4, chapter 2. But God who is rich in mercy for great with great love for with he loves us. 
Verse 7, that in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. You know what I need? I don't need money, 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 money. What I need is mercy. What I need is grace. And that's overabundant. Overly, I can't say that. Overly abundant that we have in Christ. So rich, rich people, don't be high-minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Trust it on that. They do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate or literally give to the need. And how important that we be a church that recognizes that and, and is willing to do that. I gotta tell you, people in this church, they do that. They recognize those instructions from the Lord and they are generous and gracious. Uh, again, I have no idea what anyone gives. I purposely have, have never looked into who gives what. Uh, but I can tell you this, this little church is generous. This little church gives and uh, I think that's the reason why God blesses. God bless them. They understand that God doesn't require 10%. We're not under the law. They understand that God owns 100% of what we have. And we're responsible for Him to, to be stewards of that 100% and give where it's needed. So, Those perilous times come, 
that much is going to be expected in order to keep the church or the ministry, maybe not preaching, but the preaching, continuing, going, feeding hungry families, being there to help. I, I, I think that's a part of that foundation. Uh, but also that foundation of, of knowing the truth of God's Word, that God's Word, this foundation is much more important than the jingle that they have in their pockets and the, the size of their, their checkbook. Laying up in store for themselves. Again, look, uh, where your treasure is, Here's where your heart that's is. where your heart's going to be. And so it's important that we understand that uh, our treasure needs to be in heaven. Verse 20, isn't it interesting that he ends this letter to Timothy with a charge about guarding that precious deposit. That, and then he starts off for Second Timothy with the same admonition. But this time he's going to be in prison. This time, verse 20, O Timothy, keep or guard that which is committed to thy trust. Well, what had, what had Paul been talking about? What's all part of the Pauline, uh, that mystery, that revelation? It, well, it is the mystery. That that revelation of the mystery. That's what Paul was telling Timothy to guard, safeguard that, because all those of Asia are going to depart. Uh, the Judaizers were coming up, they were mixing, mixing grace, mixing law. Uh, Timothy, guard that. And his last letter to Timothy is even going to be more uh, emphatic to guard that deposit, guard that, safeguard that message, that truth that has been committed to your trust. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain battles and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Don't get involved in these crazy debates and crazy arguments. And you, you know the word. Timothy, you know the truth. Stick to it. Don't, don't try to... Uh, you, want, you, you need to know enough to convince the gainsayers. You need to have... You, you need to, that's all part of that guarding, safeguarding, keeping that which has been given to you to, to keep um, to your trust, but avoid avoid all those arguments, avoid all those things that people just tend to like to get involved in and, and talking about. Verse 21, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Um, some profess they understood, I think the word right to the Bible. The next letter is when Paul is really going to talk to Timothy about studying to show thyself the truth of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, that until we're going to be getting into that a whole lot more. Uh, but Second Timothy 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to other faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul talking about but he calls my gospel. 
what he calls that revelation that was given to him for you. Uh, understanding, recognizing that special revelation that was given distinctly to Paul. How absolutely important that is. But look at uh, 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. Well, and we'll go over in more detail when we get there, but just to kind of tie what he, how he concludes the first letter and how he starts out the second letter. Let's go verse 11. Where unto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing, that deposit, that good thing which was committed unto you, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwells in us. What was committed to him? Revelation of the mystery. That truth concerning the church, the body of Christ, what we teach, what we preach, that, that revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul. Paul writes this first letter to Timothy out of prison. Second Timothy, we find him in Timothy, but we find him in prison, and it takes on a whole new Uh, it takes on a whole new that's what I meant can't think, can't think of the word uh, a whole new dimension it takes on a whole new attitude it takes on a whole new feel from Timothy the encouraging Second uh, Timothy he knows that his time is short he knows, he's hoping to see Timothy again and the whole key to Second Timothy, and he's writing this uh, in Rome, in prison. Timothy, persevere, persevere. You know why? Because he's needing to persevere. Things are well. Christianity. When Paul writes this last letter to Timothy, Christianity is illegal. He's encouraging, encouraging him to endure. Hardness. Why? Because Christianity is illegal. Why is Christianity illegal? What what occurred in 64 AD or thereabouts? Satan burned. Burned. Who did it? Nero. Nero burned Rome to the ground. Nero, Rome burned while Nero what? That's when they were thrown to lions. That's when they were thrown to gladiators. That is 
during this time is when it was horrific and the persecution. Who was leading, who was the leader of the church? Paul. Who was the apostle to the Gentiles? Paul. Who was arrested without any any help? Uh, as a matter of fact, look at Second uh, Timothy chapter two.
For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I gotta tell you, if you knew you were gonna walk out of here and you were gonna be arrested and you were going to be used as a lightning bug, and you were going to be there would be a spirit of fear. But here, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's talking to Timothy then, he's talking to us today. Regardless of what the future holds, regardless of what's going to come, God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. <clears throat> sound mind. The rest of the world may not have a sound mind, but that's what God's given us. And so if there's fear, who does it come from? That does not come from God. And that, that Paul is trying to encourage Timothy with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God's not given us the spirit of fear. But persecution was atrocious. It was, it was unbelievably barbaric because of who Nero was. And I think chapter 3 this one also in the last days, perilous times shall come. And we just need to give prayer for us. Alright, any questions? Any questions? Just a few minutes, I want to go. We'll, we'll actually start with 1 Timothy 1 1 next, next Wednesday. Lord, we'll 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 that's the rapture takes place. Second, that's the first. Yes.